am so stressed out. How many times did you say that? This week. Dads, I know some of you said it this weekend. I know you had some stress going on in your house like I did in mine with four kids and mama gone. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how do we overcome anxiety that settles in on all of us. My my good friend, Ariana Grande, uh, (laughs) she was uh, singing about this and she was actually describing it on the late night show with Jimmy Fallon. And what she said was she was having an anxiety attack. And it was literally so bad that she couldn't breathe. And, and some of us have been there where you just, it, it's, it's hard to catch your breath because your heart feels like it's going to beat out of your chest. And, and so the people in her band, she was having this anxiety attack. And she said, gosh, we, we've got to capture this experience. We've got to write about it because this is our world that we live in. And so she wrote a song entitled Breathing. And here's what she said about the song. She said, feel my blood running. Swear the sky's falling. It feels like the sky's falling when anxiety settles in on you. Man, it just comes on in. And you say, I keep, keep on breathing. Just got to keep on breathing. Keep on breathing. Time goes by and I can't control my mind. See, she, she gets it. She gets the thing that happens as your mind runs wild. It's like a stallion unbridled. And it's just soaring across the pasture. I keep on breathing. Mm, yeah, that was my best Ariana. Uh, you were dying for me to sing that chorus, weren't you? Didn't, didn't you? Uh, the problem is the mind. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the battle for the mind. And I'm in the battle with you. My family and I attend this church. My name's Stephen Phelan. For those of you that I hadn't met, love you, love this church, love what's going on. And I was thinking about, man, the, one of the best gifts I could give to you is walking you through what I feel at Movement Mortgage, which is where I am day to day. Man, you, you can feel the stress of a mortgage company because you got all these deals that got to close. And so how do we as humans overcome the anxiety that settles in on family and homes and business and, and the first area is you got to know the battleground. What does the battleground look like? And the battleground is this. It's the mind. Ariana Grande is right. The battleground is right here in controlling our minds. We have all these colloquial expressions to, to get at that. We say, I'm so stressed out I can't think straight. I'm so stressed out my mind is about to explode See, we, we get it that the battleground is here. We just don't know how to control it. Now, in a battle, you have two opposing sides. So in the blue corner, dark, dark, dark blue corner, would be the, the tri- triple-headed monster of evil, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And so there's a lot of things in the world that speak lies over you and to you or that the world battles with your mind on. And what the devil does is the father of lies. He comes alongside and he throws a little lighter fluid on top of those things in the world that he can use. And then it appeals to your flesh, those parts of your body, the desire, not just your skin, but the desires that we have that are against those of God. In fact, the Bible in Galatians 5, 17 and Romans 8 tells us about the the desires of the flesh and the way they war against the spirit. Let's look at that and see. It says the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. They're at war. There's a battle going on. And where's the battle? The mind. 
The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God and doesn't submit to him. And so what happens is, is we, we hear those lies. It turns our mind towards the things that God doesn't want us having. And when we do, we feel stressed, we feel worried, we feel anxious. Now on the other side of the battlefield in the white corner stands King Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and the Lord of Lords. And he looks at us and he says, I've got armor for you for the battle. And remember in Ephesians 6, 17, what he says, the, the head, he says, I give you the helmet of salvation. Why? Because he knows the battle's for the mind and you've got to have saved thinking. If we're going to win the battle, we've got to put on the helmet of salvation and have saved thinking, controlled thinking. But how do we do that? Well, if you're in a battle, there's supply lines for the enemy and for the two sides. And so you've got to cut off the supply lines. What are the supply lines? It's the cause of our anxiety. So the cause of our anxiety is simple. The cause is worry. We worry about anything and everything and anything and everything. And so we worry about things that happened in the past and we re replay the tape over and over and we can't, it's on loop. And we think about what happened at work and we're stressed out that, oh man, this may be my job. I may get fired. Or we think about a relationship that is just so broken and we're how are we gonna, I don't know how to, I'm stressed out about Thanksgiving coming up and I'm gonna see them and ah, I don't know. And so we have all these anxieties that settle in over past worries, but it isn't just past worries, is it? It's also the present. So if you look at, the paper, you can read um, all kinds of psychologists, or they'll tell you kind of top five or six stressors in life. One of those is moving, if you're moving houses. Uh, the other would be relationship problems. You've got some stress coming out of relationships, money. Money creates stress in our lives. We're thinking about if, if my body gets sick, we get stressed out about health reasons, or we have a loved one that we may lose our relationship. And so those are sort of the top five or six that a lot of people have. And, and some of you are going, check, check. Got that one, got that one. I got them all. I got a lot of anxiety. I got it all in the present. But it isn't just the present or the past. We also worry about the future. My wife calls this future tripping. She didn't make up the term, but she calls me out on it when I find myself tripping over things in the future that haven't even happened. And I'll give you a good example in my own life. Uh, we were in San Diego and I was pastoring and planning and pastoring a church and, and uh, we entered into a really uh, difficult patch that we were going through. And you know how when you're in your little problems, you, you're the weeds, the weeds are just everywhere and you can't see out of the weeds because you're in it. And, and you magnify the scope and scale of your problem. And so one particular day, I was driving downtown in San Diego. And San Diego is beautiful every day, 72 degrees. You wait, you're like, huh, 72 again. It's like Groundhog Day, only it's just perfect, beautiful every day. And so as a result, a, a lot of homeless people live in San Diego because if, if, that's, if you had to be homeless, San Diego is a great place to be homeless. And so 
there's a tent, there's a homeless camp downtown where there's just tents lined up on the sidewalk all along the area. And so when I was going through this, this particularly difficult season in our church, I, I remember driving by and looking over there at the tents and going, gosh, I wonder where they got those tents. I think I might better head on out to Walmart and get a tent for my family in case we end up homeless. Now, I got a lot of problems in life, but I don't know anyone who has ever said to me, hey, Stephen, I'm really concerned about you becoming homeless. Like no one's ever like got me like, you're, you're right on the edge, bro, and we need, to, we need to have some talks. I had, I was tripping over some things in the future like, I mean, we're talking about like 9,000 different things would have had to go wrong and, and I would have been, to, to, for the family and I to end up homeless. And so I was doing some major future tripping over things that were happening in the future. Now, what happens is when we're tripping over stuff in the future, it's like mold. Mold grows best where? In the dark. You bring the light and air into it and, and all of a sudden mold and mildew don't grow. Well, the same with our worries. A lot of times we keep those in the dark and hidden and we don't tell others who go, Stephen, what? Bro, you're, you don't need to go buy a tent. And let me tell you why. Uh, Mark Twain said, he said, I've had a lot of worries in life, most of which have never happened. And that's how most of us live. We have all these worries that we're stressed about, most of which aren't happening. And, and, and in the middle of that, our high king in the white corner over here says this. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. He says, tomorrow's going to have enough worries of his own. Don't worry about anything today. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't be anxious about anything. And it feels like we're anxious about everything. So what do we do about it? That's the, that's the problem. The cause is our worry. Well, let's look at the cure. So the cure for stressed out, anxious, worried people like us, we're going to talk through some principles that, that can help us overcome anxiety when it settles in on us. And I'm going to give you one key verse this one's worth memorizing. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Jesus spoke this word to stressed out people through the apostle Paul. And he says, do this, take every thought captive, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, some of you go, yeah, but I mean, okay, but how do I do that? That seems kind of ethereal. I mean, it seems like up there, how do I take my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Well, I read something by Martin Luther that really helped me on this concept of taking your thoughts captive. Martin Luther said this. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. I like that. That helped me a lot. As soon as I read it, I said, ah, Okay, that connects a couple biblical principles to help you deal with anxiety because you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can say, you're not gonna build a nest in my head. It's not gonna happen right here. And so what I'm gonna do is when you come in, I'm gonna shoo you away. Now, some of you say, well, Stephen, that sounds good too, but how do I do that? I'm gonna give you two biblical principles to understand how to take your thoughts captive. 
These are the two ways that God gives us to take our thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ. The first one is this, replacement thoughts. You have to replace the worry that you have in your mind with something else. Now, there's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about how we do this. We're going to look at a list right now that'll show you what this is getting at. Philippians 4.8, think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that's praiseworthy. Think about that rather than the worry that you have going on about the relationship that's broken. Or set your mind on things above. Fix. See what he's saying with your do? Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author of your story, the one who's writing it. This chapter is not an accident. It feels like it. This chapter shouldn't be in my book, Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. I'm writing this story. This chapter is not an accident. It's part, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to work it for good. Set your minds on things of the Spirit. So, Get out your Bible, open it up. Jesus, speak to me. You gotta change my thoughts right now. My mind's running wild. It's a stallion across the pasture. Get some worship music on. Change the atmosphere in your house, in your car. You begin to turn your eyes towards Jesus and in the, the, the light of his glory and grace, things will go strangely dim. The stress and anxiety that we were formerly feeling. Now, I'm gonna introduce you to someone to help illustrate this. One of my heroes in life, can't wait to meet Corey and Betsy Tenboom. When I get home, I can't wait to meet them. Let me tell you a little bit about their life. They were followers of Jesus who their dad was a watchmaker and they were during this time of Nazi Germany when Jews were being persecuted and they said, gosh, we're gonna open up our home. And their home became the hiding place for Jews, and they were taking in a number and then, and then getting them out to safety, of which they were eventually captured and placed themselves in Ravensbrück concentration camp. So you can imagine the anxiety that you would feel in a concentration camp. It, it's it's got to be worse than what we're feeling when we're like, oh man, like my, my internet went down again. Oh, I'm so stressed because I can't get my internet back on. My DirecTV is out. Oh, this is just terrible. I'm so stressed. Okay, they were in a concentration camp. And this is what Corey said here. Let's look at this quote by Corey. She says, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. Like if she looked at her circumstances, by the measure of her peace, she would just be toast. If you look within, you'll be depressed. And this is what modern psychology tells us to do. Self-help books are filling the shelves. Be your best you. You be you. Rise up. You can do. Be the man. And then you look at the man and you go, oh, goodness gracious. I don't know if I can do this. And, and instead of just Today's going to be a good day. I'm telling you, today's going to be a good day. And you're talking yourself up and you don't believe anything you're saying. Corey says, if you look within, you'll just be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of your faith. He's going to perfect it. He's going to get you home. Now, that's how we do this replacement thought as you put your eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to give you one more principle for how you do it. Not only do you have a replacement thought, but you actually have to cast the anxious thoughts that you have. You have to cast them on Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter gives us this word. He says this, cast some. Nope. All. Cast all. Cast all of your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. Because he loves you. Because you're precious to him. Because he calls you the apple of his eye. Because he calls you his beloved. He says, cast all, not some, all of your anxiety. Now, I want you to think about Peter, a fisherman. Remember, they would fish with cast nets, huge nets. And so they'd be in the boat, and what they would have to do is they would take and they would cast the net as far as they could away from themselves. That's the image. Jesus says, cast as far as you can. And where does he say do it? Cast your anxiety on him. Cast it to him. Now, my wife, like most things, helped me realize what this verse is talking about and how to do it. She said, Stephen, it's like a game of catch that I used to play with my dad. When I was a little girl, one of my favorite things to do with my dad was to go out and play catch in the backyard. Now, my dad did not play catch with me because he said, one day, Bradford is going to be a professional women's softball player. I can see her now on ESPN, and I just know it's going to happen, so we're going to go play catch. No. Why did my dad play catch with me in the backyard? It's because my dad loves me. I'm precious to him. And he wants to build a relationship with me. And so dads, you know this. One of the ways you build a relationship with your kids is this. Relationship. Love. That's how you do it. You build a relationship of love. And lots of dads have played a lot of this in the backyard because you're building a relationship. In the same way, God says, we're going to build a relationship. And I want you to take everything that stresses you out. I want you to... Cast it to me. And it seems kind of cruel at first. But Bradford said, no, Stephen, he's told us to because he loves us. He can handle it. Our anxiety won't crush him. It won't destroy him. And here's the good news. He doesn't throw it back. He just catches it. Here's the bad news. We run and get the ball and bring it back. So we need to keep the game going. Go get it. We do it. We bring it back. Oh, I got it again. Dad, here you go. Relationship. Love. I'm your beloved. You love me. You love playing this game with me because you love me. This is what he does, and this is who he is. Now, how do I do that, Stephen? I'd like to play that game. I don't necessarily know how. Well, remember, in the game, there's a ball and there's a glove. There's two things involved. There's a ball and then there's a glove and there's people. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, memorize this verse. Get it in your mind and heart because this is how you play the game of stress toss, casting your anxiety on him. Right here, 
Paul gives us the ball and the glove, the two things that are involved. He says, do not be anxious about most things. No, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's the ball, there's the glove. Prayer is the ball. Thanksgiving is the glove. Those are the two things we need for this game of casting our anxiety, stress tossed with Jesus, that we need every day, prayer and thanksgiving every single day. Now, let's go back to illustrate this and how you do it. I'm gonna go back to Corey and Betsy. And Corey and Betsy had an unfortunate twist of events which landed them in Barracks 28. Barracks 28 was the dreaded barracks of Ravensbrook. Now you can imagine how bad that is. If there's one place you really don't wanna be in a concentration camp and they get thrown in Barracks 28, here's why, because what they were sleeping on was straw and it was molded and it was mildewed. And guess what that attracts? Bugs. So there were all kinds of bugs and fleas in particular that inhabited their bed now I lay me down to sleep with the fleas, my pillow to keep. I mean, how terrible. Like we would have, and, and you know, we are, are complaining about all the issues, the, the, the major issues we have of, gosh, like it was so hot in October. It was like 90 degrees here in October. And they have fleas that are just everywhere. And so... They're sitting there, and, and Corey and Betsy are, are figuring out how are we going to make it through this. And let's look at the first thing that Corey and Betsy find out. Fleas! Here is another one! I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Corey says. Show us. Show us how, Betsy says. It was said so matter-of-factly. It took me a second to realize Betsy was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. The ball, prayer, and petition. That's the first thing. So when an anxious thought, when the bird flies in, the first thing you do is you stop and you pray. You say, God, I'm stressed out right now. He knows it. No need to hide it. God, I'm stressed. I don't want to be stressed. Can you show me a way out? Because right now I'm anxious and I don't want to be anxious and I need you to show me a way out. Show us how, show us how, show me how, God. I know you don't want me to have this and so show me how. That's the first step. Now, the second step that we'll learn from Betsy is this. Let's read the next part of the quote. Betsy says, Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we ask, as he always does, in the Bible this morning. Now, let me tell you about that. So, Corey and Betsy were in a line going into the concentration camp. They're stripped down. They're searched. Every single person going in was searched. So, they didn't bring anything in except for, guess who? Betsy. Why? There's no reason why. Guess what Betsy had on her? A Bible, hidden. And so she would have been killed. But, but, but guess what God did? God shielded her 
in such a way that she was able to take a Bible in and that Bible became a source of light and hope and joy and people meeting Jesus because they were drawn to the hope and the joy of Jesus. And so Betsy is the only one, Betsy and Corey have this treasured Bible that they have and they were gathering people to read the Bible in their barracks. And she said, this morning in the Bible, he showed us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, another one. Get it in your mind and heart. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in some circumstances. All. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. What, Corey says? Give thanks for this? This place is awful. I'm not doing it. I can't give thanks for fleas. Some of you got friends like this. They come on, you're like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear it. And that's basically what Corey is saying to Betsy. But, but, but remember, prayer and thanksgiving, ball and glove. This is the game of catch. You learn to give thanks in all circumstances, not just the pleasant ones. Now, third and final quote from Corey and Betsy. The fleas. This was too much. Barracks 28 has fleas everywhere. Betsy, there's no way. Even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. Anybody ready to do that in their house? To give thanks for the bugs that you see, the cockroaches coming in. How am I going to thank you, Lord? for this cockroach that's coming in. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. I was sure she had been smoking something. Betsy, I don't know those mushrooms you had. I, something was in those. Uh, something's going on there. This can't be right. Now, Thanksgiving and prayer is what changed the scenario for Betsy and Corey from stress and worry and anxiety to they were people that were sources of light and hope for everyone around them. And let me take this and bring it into our world. Anybody in here ever had a sleepless night? You don't have to raise your hand, because I know you have. I've had them too. And I'm gonna take you back to one of my sleepless nights, because one of the reasons we can't sleep is because we're stressed. We're worried about stuff. And we wake up and our minds are spinning. And... Um, my particular sleepless night, one of them, was uh, during this rough season in San Diego, I was struggling, struggling to sleep, and uh, I remember just waking up, and why is it that you wake up at the same time every night? It's like, ah, 3.11, again, couldn't it have been 3.13? Uh, what's going on? It's the same time every night, and then I'm stressed out because I'm up at night, and I'm going to be tired tomorrow. I'm stressed about being tired and all the things you, you have to do, and I need sleep for it. So you have all these these things going on, and, and uh, man, it got so bad for me at one point that uh, I went to the doctor, and I got some sleeping pills, 
and I got some uh, melatonin. Man, I was combining these things, and I was just waking up. I mean, felt like I was, whew. Now, now let me say this about medication. For those of you that are on medication for anxiety, let me just say, that can be the most faithful step for you to trust Christ. Because God can work supernaturally through natural means of grace. And so one of, the, one of the most faithful ways, some of you as you're dealing with panic and anxiety attacks that get chemical and physiological, is you need to go to the doctor. And that's actually a way to trust Christ and to see Christ work in and through that. My particular case in this one wasn't a chemical issue. It was a heart issue. Like I had given my heart to some things of success and, um, and influence and man, I had put those things at the center of my life rather than Jesus. And when you do that, worry and stress, because anything you put at the center of your life other than Jesus is gonna be threatened. And then you're gonna get really stressed and anxious when it's threatened. And so I was, I was doing that. And one particular night when I couldn't sleep, I, I just said, gosh, I'm gonna get up. And I, I'll go down to the family room and I built a fire. And I'm sitting around the fire and the fire of God's love came over the physical fire that I was around. And God spoke to me so clearly. You know, sometimes he just, he just gives you a word that settles your heart. So he did this out of Psalm 63. I was reading through the Psalms because the Psalms are these places of, of, of angst, of wrestling with life. And so I was reading through Psalm 63 and here's what was going on. David was stressed. King David was being chased by his son out of the city because his son was trying to murder him. So, for the record, if one of my four kids was chasing me with a gun, I would be stressed. Like, that would be a bad day. I would be worried. And David was too, and he said he was having trouble sleeping at night. So God spoke to me when I couldn't sleep about a sleepless night of David's in Psalm 63.5. I've memorized this. I've said it so many times since. Whenever I wake up, if I'm sleepless at midnight, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. <sighs> Prayer and thanksgiving. See, that's exactly what he's doing. He says, rather than stressing out about my son chasing me down to kill me, I'm going to reflect on God's faithfulness in the past. And so I begin to remember and give thanks and I fix my eyes on Jesus and his faithfulness in my life. And I, and I even think about in our story of how he busted us out of Egypt and how God came through and, and countless nights since. Whenever I wake up, I do this. And, and now I've become better at it and I just start to drift back off giving thanks and my heart settles because I realize the faithfulness of God. This is how you play anxiety toss, right? You have these thoughts that you're taking captive, you're replacing them, and then you're casting them through prayer and thanksgiving. Now, the result, if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to do this, the result, the result in your life will be joyful peace. How do I know that? How can I guarantee you that? Because Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind controlled or governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Come on. Whew. Isn't that good news for stressed out people? That Jesus is actually intending to govern our minds and to bring life and peace. Now, I think of that like a sea -Doo. My brother-in-law has a sea and he told me there's two keys to it. 
One of them is a key of death and one of them is a key of life. The key of death has no governor on it. It says, go 80 miles an hour. You can do this over the water. Turn. There's no governor. The other key is a key of life that has a governor on it, and you can ride it at a sane speed for humans over the water and experience life and peace. Well, the same way, uh, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate governor for our minds and our hearts. And the Holy Spirit brings life and peace. And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus, he supplies us the battle lines again. He says, I'll supply you the peace from the Prince of Peace. I will give it to you. Now, some of you object and you say, Stephen, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this game because I'm just a worry wart. That's what I do. Worrying's my thing. I'm good at it. And so on a scale of one to 10, you say, I mean, I'm a, I'm a nine. You know, when it comes to, come, comes to worrying, well, Jesus could, could take you from, from a nine and, and maybe you move back down to a seven. And maybe some of you worry and stress is not your thing. Maybe you're a, a natural three and he could take you from a three to a two because what he does is it's called sanctification. This is called the spirit working in our life as we begin to develop this game of casting our anxiety on him. But see, the gospel is the good news of this, that Jesus Christ didn't worry like us. He came and he lived and he experienced anxiety. And you know the anxiety he experienced in the garden of Gethsemane? Guess what? It was so intense that it caused him to sweat blood, drops of blood. That's a, that's a serious level of anxiety that you're feeling because you're sweating blood. Your body is so um, tense to that point. But guess what? His stress did not paralyze him because what we know is that when the bird flew over, he didn't allow it to build a nest. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus Christ looks at you this morning and he says, give me your stress, I'll give you my joy. Give me your worry, I'll give you my love. Give me all the things you're so concerned about and I will fill you with the fruit of my spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I'll give it all to you, but you gotta be willing to give me what you're holding on to. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, we're gonna practice. You feel yourself breathing in and out. I want you to, by faith, through the power of the Spirit, inhale the, the peace of Jesus. Exhale all the things you're worried about. Your relationships, money stress, work. Inhale the peace of Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us all that we long for in you and for taking on yourself all the things that we don't want, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the sin, the brokenness, and we can give it to you and you're willing to take it because we are your beloved. And Jesus, for those here this morning that just feel blocked from your presence, they feel so stressed and so anxious and so worried and so distant from you, Jesus, go to them right now. And if that's you, if you're here and you know you just feel distant from God, you feel stressed and anxious, you don't know how to connect with him to receive his peace, what I want you to do right now is by faith, 
take a huge step of courageous faith and just give your heart to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you to bring your peace in my life. Give me the trust. Give me the faith I need to give you my life. I release the things I'm holding on to and I grab hold of you because I need you to forgive me and to give me your spirit to bring life and peace. Amen.